podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. The first test is done. England-Ireland, of course, an absolutely emphatic victory for England. They had two actually back again, as you probably will have known. Ireland forcing England to come out the openers and knock off 12 to win. And actually, Ireland did themselves a lot of credit today with 362 all out, really surviving the first two sessions of the day and actually putting together a couple of really good partnerships for lower down the order in particular, which I guess, in a way, Simon, sort of in a way, just posed a few little questions to England uh, with the the way they batted out, what, 80-odd overs, 86 overs they survived in the end and at times made the England bowling attack look a bit toothless. I suppose, you know, Ben Stokes talked positively afterwards, saying it was a, it was a good workout for, for the bowlers and also Johnny Bairstow behind the stumps. But I, I would be slightly worried if England were playing on a pitch like that with that attack against Australia. Yeah, definitely. I mean, England talked about playing on flat pitches, haven't they? That's what Ben Stokes said. You know, we want to play on, on flat pitches, perhaps with a bit more pace in them, and Lords didn't have that much pace. But this was a, a flat pitch. Quite unusual for Lords of late, actually. We haven't seen that many surfaces like this at Lords in, in recent years. They, they tend to be quite quick test matches with the bowlers dominating in overhead conditions coming into play. But yeah, how, how do England get wickets on flat pitches? And it, it's, it's not going to be easy for them. They're going to play a different attack, you'd imagine, when it comes round to the Ashes, the first test match at Edgbaston and, and, and probably Lords as well. But there's going to be a bit of mixing and matching. So perhaps some of the bowlers that played in this game are going to be playing in the next Lords test match. And Ben Stokes in his post-match interview on television saying, well, you know, it's given us a bit of insight into what we need to do if we come back and it's, it's flat at Lords in late June. Jack Leach got a bit of tap, didn't he? Josh Chung, really impressive, I thought, in the, in the second innings. He ran in, full of heart, you know, was prepared to bang it in and re- rewarded with his five wickets. Stuart brought five wickets in the first innings. Uh, Matthew Potts, perhaps not his uh, best game, but, you know, he's willing, isn't he? He'll, he'll run in for you as well. But it's not going to be easy. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about Adair and McBride putting together 163. You do slightly... <laughs> <laughs> wonder what it's going to be like when it's Labuschagne and Smith. You know, they, they don't like partnerships of 163. They, they'll want to bat for two days and score 363 together. Anyway, that, you know, those are the some of the issues going forward for England. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I although I have the highest admiration for Jack Leach, I, I, I worry about him because mm. Australia have got a lot of left-handers. And in a way, you know, do you play a left-arm spinner because you've got left-handed batters because you can aim into the rough? Well, that all depends if there's any rough to aim at. And the, the game needs to have, you know, three or four days under its belt, really, to have any decent rough for a left-arm spinner to work with. Uh, but assuming that you've got, you know, right-arm over bowlers predominantly. And actually, on a flat pitch, the left-armers like the left-handers, rather, like the left-arm spinners. And the, the Aussies have got quite a few left-handers. So, you know, you potentially their opening pair will be left-handed and uh, several in the middle order as well. So, you know, I, I, I worry about Jack Leach. Uh, I, people say he's improved 
and obviously he's worked incredibly hard at his bowling. It just lacks, to me, real spinner's guile. I keep listening to Bill Tufnell on commentary, uh, hoping in a way he might just shed a bit of light on what is the art of spin guile. You know, how do you lure that batter out of his crease with that bit of drop and extra bit of bite on the ball, or just the flight and the the, the clever you know way of, of having a ball on a string, which he did actually. I mean, he wasn't as consistent probably as as Leach, but he did have the ability to lure a batter out of his crease and and and, and cause a miss hit. And it's 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 that sort of I'm looking for that little bit of deception from Leach, which I don't really see. So it worries me. And if England are playing a four man attack which they may have to if Stokes isn't able to bowl, I worry about playing Leach as one of those four men against Australia. Yeah, if Ben Stokes can't bowl or can't bowl very much. I mean, he did say in his post-match interviews today, he categorically said you know, nothing to worry about. Asked whether he was going to be bowling at Edgbaston. He said, yes, definitely. Asked whether he was going to bowl in this game. There's any chance he was going to bowl in this game. He said, no, no, I haven't really been, you know, haven't been bowling. And he did bowl before... Uh, today's play out in the middle, you know, a few sort of gentle uh, looseners and, and swung the ball with a new ball on a on a green surface. That's what that's what he said. But, you know, he wasn't ready to bowl. And it, the, the other point is, is cause he hasn't bowled very much at all. You know, and the Edgbaston Test match is not too far away. You do sort of need to, I know he's very fit and physically fit, and you do need to have your body in the condition mm. to bowl. So there's, there's one thing about being able to bowl, but of course the other thing is about being able to bowl well, you know, and having, you know, being in rhythm and... You know, be, being able to do the job with the ball as well as actually physically standing at the top of your mark and running into bowl. The thing about knee injuries, and, I, and I've, I've said this before, is that they are very temperamental. And I know exactly what he's experiencing because if you have um, a, a catch, you take a catch like he took today and you slightly lose your balance and your leg, uh, your knee goes inverted slightly, almost hyperextended, you get, you suffer a lot of pain uh, because it is sore all around. I mean, basically, what happens in a knee joint is you've got the patella, the kneecap, which slides over the top. If you're a young person or a fit person, the kneecap slides beautifully over the top of the joint. And if you're an older person or a person with wear and tear in your knee, that knee that kneecap doesn't slide nearly as smoothly because the cartilage in between the kneecap, the underside of the kneecap, and the actual joint has gone or has worn away. And therefore, it's sort of almost bone on bone. And when you straighten your leg, it can be agony, especially if you put any weight on it. But the odd thing is, if you start bowling and, it, it, you know, your knee warms up and you're not hyperextending it, actually, it can feel fine. The trouble is, it then swells up because of the, you know, the, the excess uh, sort of stress you're putting through a damaged knee. And also, it's the swelling that's the problem because it makes it very stiff it makes it very sore the next day. So that's one of the reasons why Stokes is very careful not to bowl in practice because he knows it's going to stiffen up the next day. Painkillers, um, anti-inflammatories, injections and things can help. And that's what he's relying on, I think, when it comes to the Ashes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he does bowl in the Ashes, do England actually really want to be playing on 
flat pitches. They almost want to be playing on flat pitches for their batters, but their their bowling attack is more suited to, to pitches with, with something in them, isn't it? And you know, play in tradition what you consider to be traditional English conditions yeah. against Australia. But the way they play with their attacking batting, they want to play on flatter pitches so they can smack it. I mean, that's that's what the one day side did so well. So there's that there's that balance. Well, a balance to be struck. It seems as if they've just they've made their decision. So it's going to be some quite hard toil for the bowlers. The other point as well, of course, is about you know if, if you're playing on pitches that do a bit, the games tend to be shorter, so there's more recovery time uh, between the test matches. So that, you know, anyway, we'll see what pitches they come up with. We'll see how big the boundaries are as well, because I mean there has been a, a suggestion they're going to bring the boundaries in and play quite short boundaries and really sort of get under the the nose of the Australians. And you know if, if the Australians are banging it in, they can top edge it for six, and more, you know the ball be flying over the ropes and they'll be able to smack line around as well with shorter boundaries rather than big boundaries. So. That you know, that's going to be fascinating to see. But yeah, you know, you're you're right about Edgbaston. Edgbaston, I mean, I don't. There are times Edgbaston when the you know it's okay for batting, but it's not often. Necessary. Well, I mean, I know England did well there last year, didn't they? Against India, they chased down that massive score, did really well. But you feel you as a bowler, you're often in the game at Edgbaston, and sometimes mm. it can get quite dry there and spin as well. It's it's um it's a quick scoring ground mm. because uh, a big square the ball skates across the outfield very fast. There's not much bounce there normally. Uh, so, you know, LBWs are, are a big thing at Edgebaston, nipping the ball back, which obviously the likes of Stuart Broad very good at. Um, Pat Cummings will probably enjoy it as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a funny pitch. It, 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 it's a bit sort of capricious as a pitch. It sort of it goes to sleep and then it seems to liven up for the bowlers a bit and then it goes dead again. And obviously on a nice sunny day, it's pretty flat. It, it, it's a funny one, uh, but, but you generally get kind of scores around 250 to 350, don't you? Kind of throughout the game, mm. it doesn't get much worse or much better. So it's kind of how well you exploit it. I mean, Steve Smith will have great memories of Edgebaston, uh, 200s in that last test there in 2019. England had started out with a leg slip to him and nearly got him out and then gave up on that ploy and used... Plans B, C, D, and E, and none of them worked. It's so hard to call at this stage, isn't it? But I think, like you, actually, to have a bit in the pitch would be better for England, really, yeah. rather than just playing on total shirt fronts. Yeah, I mean that's that would be my hunch. But anyway, this is, this is what they're going to go with. It seems that's what they're going to go with anyway. So, Yoz. Let's assume it is going to be a, a pretty flat surface at, at Edgbaston. And, and the weather forecast, the, the medium to long term issue, if you can be medium to long term with the weather forecast in this country, seems like you know good weather, dry weather leading in uh, to the test match. What is England's attack going to be? What, 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 what have you well, come up with? Well, I, I, I uh, you know, first test, I like, uh, if you're going to play a four-man attack, and hope that Stokes can bowl a bit. I would, I might leave Jack Leach out. Uh, I, I'm, my attack would be Anderson, Broad, Robinson, Wood, and I, I would actually leave Jack Leach out. I just because I don't think he poses any threat. And I know you, it's an old-fashioned thing. You, you've got to have a spinner in the in the team, and I agree with that in normal circumstances. But you don't want to end up with a bowler who gets panned around the first game, loses confidence, England, you know, lose the test match, and then suddenly they've got to hit back by maybe making a green pitch for the second test at Lords. I just think, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's difficult, 
But I think the best four bowlers that they have at the moment are Anderson, Brawl, Robinson and Wood. And why not pick those four and hope that Stokes can do a few overs and, and Root as well. Mm. Well, there's a lot of lo- well, there's a lot of logic in that. There's a lot of logic. If you said to me, which which four bowlers would you like most to play at Edgbaston? Um, you know, certainly if you're seamers, it would be those four. If you had Robinson, Wood, Anderson, and Broad, yeah, definitely. You'd want you'd want them in your side. Can they fit them in? Is that the way they're going to go? And that, you know, there's one thing: what you want, but also what what are your tactics? And it seems to me that it, that it seems to me that Ben Stokes is really quite wedded to the idea of playing Jack Leach, doesn't it? I mean, he. he he yeah. he bowls him early. He, he bowls him, you know, reasonable amount. We we did those stats the other day, saying he has bowled him a little bit more in Test matches than, than Joe Root did, or he hasn't been quite as successful under Ben Stokes as he won, was under Joe Root statistically. It's quite it's quite close, but you know, it it is there. I, I, I suppose that stat Stokes. that stat that you came up with that he averages thirty four under Root and thirty seven under Stokes. It's roughly it, that. It's, yeah, it's, it's revealing. But, and I suppose, in a way, you could say that does that mean that that Leach is less effective? Not necessarily, mm. because he's got more attacking fields, he concedes more runs, therefore his wickets are slightly more expensive. Well, also England scored suggest- more runs as well, y'all, haven't they? They've scored more. They've had more runs to play with as well. So there, there are other things. You know, you can look at stats, and there are other aspects to them, aren't they? So they, you know, you, you've got like for in, for example, in this match, you know, England had stacks of runs on the board, didn't they? So they could, you know, they could bowl Leach with the field up, and hopefully, you know. It, the batters would take a risk and hold out. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to, to Jack Leach, you know, he didn't have much to work with on this third day pitch. But I always look at how, especially lower order players, handle a spinner, are they foxed by his length? Are they, do they make, does he, does he create mishits? Does he create uncertainty? And he didn't, to me. And there was a couple of times, a couple of instances where he held the wall up and it, it turned a little bit and bounced. But, Generally speaking, the, the batters look, even the lower order players, look quite comfortable against him. They didn't look as if they were struggling to pick his length or groping occasionally or, you know, miscuing one or getting a leading edge or something like that. And there were no LBW shouts, uh, you know, for sort of mishit sweeps or things like that. So I think in the main, that that's just me, the evidence I'm going on is that he just hasn't got quite enough going on with his bowling to pose a problem to top-class players. Yeah, I mean, there's one caveat today. I mean, he picked up three for 35 in the first things. There's one caveat today that he did, he was off the field for a bit, wasn't he? He went off once and came back, and then he was off the field again for quite a long time. So perhaps he wasn't well. We don't know the full story. As we record this, we're not sure, are we? We're, we're, we're speaking, you know, an hour or so after the game is finished. We're not sure what the full story is there. You know, why he was off the field, whether it was illness, or a bit of injury, whatever. So that may you know, un, you know, just taken a bit away from his his game today. Um, so come on, I, what's your attack then for Edgebaston? Well, <laughs> I, I would I would love to have Robinson Wood, Anderson, and Broad in my attack. I, I think I would. But you know, if it's going to be dry, and if we're going to get two weeks of dry weather, I, I'd like to look at the pitch basically. You know, before the game, I, I want to see if it's dry. Then I think you know, probably Jack Leach has got to play, hasn't he? If it's dry. You know, going into the match, you think you know this might this might spin. It does sometimes at Edgbaston. It does. They find it quite hard sometimes to keep the water in the the square at Edgbaston. So back end of the game, it, you know, it can spin. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I like you. I like you. I, I I would in a way, I'd like to have Robinson Wood, Anderson Broad, and Leach in my in a, you know in a five man attack. But that ain't going to happen because they can't fit them all in. You can if you play twelve, uh, but they they can't do that.
on a on a positive note, um, I thought Josh Tung bowled well. I thought he looked really good. He he kept his speeds up. I thought he bowled that really awkward short of a length. Uh, when when England went to that sort of slightly more body line tactic, he didn't waste too many. They were in at the ribs, round about neck sort of height, good pace, good line. Uh, he, he was at the batsman a lot and uh, he kept going really well. Uh, but because he was able to bowl that way and also a more orthodox way earlier in the game, uh, I, I, I really liked him actually. I thought he did really well and he, he deserved his five against. I would say one little thing. And that is, this is a thing I, I say almost every time England struggle to take wickets in, say, a third innings of a test match. Where is the variation? Where is the Where are the slower balls? Where are the Yorkers? Why don't they try the kind of deliveries that they would bowl a lot in white ball cricket? They never seem to come out in in, in test cricket. And I think a great way of, of getting a tail ender out is to bomb him with a through good quick bounces with a few men back on the shot and then chuck in a slower ball. And they're not often on the back foot. They don't pick up the change of pace. They see the ball loop up in the air and think, oh, lovely, I'll have a drive. And they, you know, chip it straight up in the air. I I, I, I used to do, I know this is a long time ago now, I used to do Wazzy Macram, who was a decent sort of number seven. I used to do him for a pastime, three bounces, which he sort of had a flap at and occasionally connected and got a two or something. Then I'd chuck in a slower ball, and his eyes would light up. Oh, lovely, big drive, straight up in the air, gone. And he'd like shake his head and walk off and go, oh, God, you know, what have I done? It was easy. So I, I don't know why we don't try that a bit more. <laughs> That's why you're the analyst inside cricket, yours. That's oh, why you're the analyst well, anyway, inside cricket. You know, I even did beefy like that once. But I don't know. I, I, I can't see why these guys don't do it more. Um uh, maybe it's just um, I'm I'm living in the old in the olden days, I suppose. Mm. So, so taking wickets on on flat pitches. I mean, England have been able to do that. You know, this year they have bowled sides out. Okay, they they only needed nine today, and they won the Test match. You know, it's not like they didn't take uh, wickets today on a flat pitch, and they had loads of runs in in the bank. And one of the tactics they use is is just going short, isn't it? And that and, and hope for the gloves down the leg side. You know, hope, hopefully someone plays a crazy shot. Will Australia? Uh, succumb to that well I'm sure there'll be a, a couple of wickets that caught down the leg side off the glove in the, in this series because it looks as though England you know they go to that tactic quite quickly don't they it, it, you know, it's plan A and then right yeah this is not working let's go to plan B um, so we, we, we'll see a bit of that and they'll, you know you need you know you need the likes of tongue wood those sort of bowls with a bit of extra pace to try to make that happen really I know they tried they asked Jimmy to do it didn't they in in, in Pakistan he was, he was asked to do it in one spell it didn't I mean, it, it's not really his game, uh, but but it's nice to have that that extra pace to do that. Uh, what, what about the England's declaration? Okay, this came on the second day. Yesterday, you were you were chatting away to to Stephen Fry about that, that second day. I don't think England would have declared pulled out three hundred and fifty ahead if they were playing Australia with with more than two days left and the weather set fair. I think they. What, what do you think they would have done? Another hundred runs, something like that. Four fifty declaration ahead. If ifs and buts, obviously, to get in that position. Certainly, another hundred runs. But I think also what what you you think about with declarations is the time that you've got left to yeah. bowl, and keeping your options open for still having a new ball available in the morning. So if you declare with say an hour left for play, that's about perfect because it's a nightmare for the opening batters to come out and bat for fifty minutes. And also, you haven't bowled too many overs with the new ball. So it's still hard and fairly new in the morning. So you might have bowled 10, 
10, 11 overs. You have just had five overs for each opening bowl to have a, a quick blast, which is a lovely spell to bowl, actually, as well. Five overs. You know the batters can't get away from you too much. They've only got everything to lose. You've got loads to gain as a fast bowler just to bowl those five overs at the, uh, at the beginning, uh, at the end of the day. And then you can come back the, the following day and there's still a nice bit of shine and hardness for the ball in that early morning spell. So... The perfect time to declare is probably about 5.20, which would have given England, yeah, another 120 runs. Yeah, they've been merciless, I think. It also takes a bit of, you know, it, it, it really subdues the opposition as well, if you can uh, press on. Anyway, we're talking about very, very theoretically. But, of course, England did win this game uh, with over a day to spare. The point being, if this were an Ashes Test match, England got into a position where they were in such a powerful position, just just keep going and, and don't pull out. Which brings us uh, to... Australia and they are playing the World Test Championship final coming up. You know, we're talking about England's selection issues and Australia have got some, you know, issues as well. They've got some, you know, real positives and they've got that balancer in Cameron Green. Although he did take a bad blow uh, during at the end of the he was I, hit on the head during the IPL. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and he is a I mean, you know, he he's a really key man yeah. for Australia. They don't often have a genuine all-rounder, actually, in their ranks. So often in the olden days, they've gone with four bowlers and somebody who can bowl a few dibbly dobblies or something, a Steve War or a Mark War, who can bowl a few spinners or uh, Alan Border, even for going further back bowling a few spinners. But they tend to go with the four bowling attack. But now they can go with five with Cameron Green as a genuine frontline bowler, but also bats at six. The one thing about him is he's been found out by the short ball quite a bit. And it's not unusual for a tall player, very, very very tall player to be exposed by short pitch bowling and he's been hit a few times and he was hit in the in, in the IPL as well but he was definitely hit the Indians and, and when we get to the um, the World Test Championship next week I bet you the Indians will target him when when he comes into bat they'll he'll be peppered with short pitch bowling because he doesn't seem to pick it up that well. So that's a, a potential weakness which England will hope to exploit themselves if they've got the right bowling attack. Yeah, but um, they've got... Uh, they, what they have got, of course, as well, though, is they've got Nathan Lyon, who's sort of, who feels like a banker spinner. And how England play Lyon, I think, will, will go a long way to deciding how the Ashes go, how, how successful England can be in the in the Ashes series. And the other thing as well, of course, is, is Josh Hazel. You know, we, we talked about, you know, England's players coming back from injury, you know, the likes of uh, Robinson and Anderson, you know, what's the situation with Ben Stokes? But Australia, yeah, they, they've got this extra test match, you know, really a really intense test match to play, haven't they? It's the World Test Championship final. You know, it's, it's it, you know, it's a, it's a marquee game. So they've got six tests back to back to back to back, you know, in, in coming up. And they've got to try and manage their resources as well. And Hazelwood's barely bowled. Cummins, they're talking about, you know, Pat Cummins is talking about playing all six test matches, you know, which will put a, a you know a big strain on him uh, as the captain. So it, it, it's there's so many there's so many intriguing plot lines uh, to follow. Uh, uh, well, even just about selection to start with and fitness, to, you know, who's you know, what's going to well, be the balance? Yes, and and of course they're batting as well. David Warner, we heard today, has announced that he wants to retire next winter in Australia, their summer. Uh, so he's thinking, he's hoping that he's going to get through these next six test matches, still be in the side and obviously play the first bit of the Australian summer. Well, we'll see, won't yeah. we, how he gets on. I guess he'll get, he'll probably get the nod for the first test, the World Test Championship, see how he goes. But Broad is licking his lips, so waiting to see him at Edgebaston, I'm sure. Yeah, well, and, and that's why... 
one of the, is that one of the reasons why Broad has to play? I mean, you can, can you play a you have to play a player for one player? Listen, you know Justin Langer, who I will play an interview with before the first test. Uh, I interviewed him for this uh, Legends of the Ashes mm. podcast series I, I've done, and he said he said, look, we were amazed when England didn't pick Anderson and Broad for that first test match in Brisbane, the last Ashes. He couldn't believe it. He thought it was insane. And sure enough, you know, Australia, our, our, David Warner loved it, didn't he? <laughs> um, you know, so England got that horribly wrong. Uh, that, that, you know, the, they lost the psychological war instantly by not picking Broad to play against uh, Warner, who he had on toast for the whole of the previous series. So England must sort of take the sensible option there and, and, and put Broad. Broad is, for me, he's almost number one on the team sheet for if Warner's picked for, for Australia, that is. Um, which I suppose England won't necessarily know until it depends if the teams are announced before the toss or not. It may be that, you know, they exchange the team sheets at the actual toss and perhaps Warner gets left out. Who knows? It's, it's quite an interesting decision to say I'm going to, I'm going to retire from Test cricket if I, if I can make it that far at the end of the Pakistan series, isn't it? I mean, if you, once you start to talk publicly about retirement, I just wonder how that sort of feeds into your play. Perhaps it, perhaps it actually you know, releases you. Perhaps it takes some pressure off you. I don't know. You don't, you know... That's that's my intention. If I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. You know, let's just give it a go. It, it, I suppose it can work both ways. Sometimes you start to talk and think about retirement. You're all you're almost already there. Although it didn't it didn't um, hinder Alistair Cook very much, didn't it? His last Test match seemed to free him up. You know, he got hundred in his last Test match. It's it, it's nice to have the 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 choice, isn't it? It's nice to have the the option to be able to sort of plan your your retirement program. Really, assuming that the selectors see it the same way, I suppose. I mean, you know, Marcus Harris is also in the frame to open the batting for, for Australia in that first Test match in the World Test Championship. It'd be very interesting to see. I guess, I mean, Warner's saying he's hitting the ball superbly in the nets. We'll see when the time comes. Uh, so that that's going to be our next podcast, by the way, looking uh, back at the first day's play from the Oval in the World Test Championship final next Wednesday. Uh, just a final thought uh, for today... Ben Stokes, winning captain, didn't bat or bowl. <laughs> Fresh air game for the captain. Yeah, well, it's a bit like those IPL matches, isn't it? Where you, well, where you just get to bat and you don't field. You know, you get you get impact subbed off. Um, but... I mean, it it, do, it does sort of introduce the question, of course, how important is the captain? And there was always that debate going on when Mike Brearley was captain of England whose batting average was in the early 20s, the low 20s. And he, he went up and down the order. He opened for a while, then he was down at number six. And in that uh, iconic 1981 series, he he went, uh, I think, up and down the order a bit in that series as well. But he, he you know nobody sort of queried his presence, even though he only averaged 20 over his test career and, and didn't bowl because of his prowess as a captain. I mean, Stokes, I'm not suggesting that, that Stokes doesn't deserve his place as a batter uh, at the moment. Of course he does. But, you know, how much impact will he have with bat or ball? He, he'll probably bat at number six. I, I don't think he's going to do that thing which everybody says, oh, we might open the batting to create another option, another bowling option. I think that would be sacrificial for him to, to, to open the batting. And anyway, Zach Crawley has made runs in this in this test match, so I'm sure he's going to get the nod. But... You know, Stokes could finish up in the Ashes, kind of making cameos 
and not bowling much, and England could win the series. So he could be Captain Fantastic without many stats to back him up. Yeah. Well, I, I a, a few months ago, when this the sort of the issue, you know, the, the the case of the Ben Stokes knee, and I, one of the, one of the things I talk, I was talking to someone in the England camp, and I said, well, look, if the knee is, is so is such a problem. Why doesn't he just get it sorted out? You know, there are, you know, you've got the rest of your life to live. You don't want to damage it and put it through things it can't cope with. You know, why not just bite the bullet? You know, whatever, have the operation. And that person said, "Well, he's so important to us as our leader. So that's that's where he's got to, and that's how the England players see him. So in in, in a short space of time, in a year, you know, his status as a, just a leader as a, is is." He's gone sort of skyrocketing. He's, he's, a, mm. he's a bit like El Cid. Uh, did you, have you ever watched that film? The, the, yeah. El Cid, where he, where he actually, he's a, he's a Spanish leader in the 12th century, isn't he? And he, they, he actually dies and they strap him to the horse and he goes out in front of the troops and it, you know, and it inspires the troops and, and they defeat the enemy. I mean, it's, there's, a, there's a bit of the El Cid there. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope he's fit and, and you know, we can stop talking about his damn knee because it's, it's quite boring. In a way, it's quite boring, isn't it? You hope well, he's I mean, fit, actually, he's able to bowl. The, the, you hope yeah. everyone's fit. You hope Hazelwood's fit. You hope that mm. you know, everyone gets on the park and it's, it's about the players, you know, the fit players playing well and then see what happens really rather than you know, teams being denuded of key players because of the, the wear and tear of, of international cricket. Well, all we revealed... In the meantime, England are going to luxuriate on the golf course for the next few days, keeping one eye on the World Test Championship final from the Oval. And as I said before, that will be our next engagement. Uh, the Wednesday of that first day, we'll be reporting back from the outcome of the events of that match. So we'll speak to you then. And don't forget, as I mentioned last time, our sister podcast, Storylines, with Melissa Story and... Nikki Chowdhury, a very interesting uh, last episode of that about a woman who lost her professional contract and how she's been dealing with that since. So check that one out, actually. In the meantime, we'll be back next Wednesday. Look forward to it. See you then. Yeah, really looking forward to the World Test Championship final. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.